Welcome to the Sunday Sermons Podcast. It was recorded on a Sunday morning at Morrison Hill Christian Church in Kingston, Tennessee. Our prayer is that the truths and strategies presented in this message will equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. Well, happy Easter. This is the day that we celebrate the most amazing and the most important event in all of history. And no matter the circumstances, no matter what environment we may be in at any time throughout history, this has been where Christians have always come back to. This is the day that we celebrate the day that everything changed. It was a week of, that was kind of like a roller coaster for Jesus and all of his followers. It started with what we celebrated last week, Palm Sunday. There was a big parade. He cleared the temple. And then there was all the extremes you can imagine. He was betrayed by some of those who were closest to him. He was celebrated and then completely rejected and killed by strangers and vast crowds. He, he went through times where he was teaching uh, people in big crowds and teaching in small crowds. He washed his disciples' feet. He instituted communion, and he prayed alone with God in the garden, and he suffered, and he died, and then he rose again. We'll get to the rise again part in a second, but I think it's really important to remember that Good Friday was not good for Jesus or his followers. We look back on what it accomplished, but in that moment, it was the darkest and the scariest moment they had ever experienced. They had no more hope. The Messiah that they had hoped would deliver them from Rome had been killed by Rome in the most despicable and cruel way that Rome had of killing people. The one that they had given their lives to and really believed were going to transform their lives was dead and in a grave. And even though he had warned them that all of this would happen, they they still just gave up hope. We can look back knowing what we know now, knowing the end of the story, and kind of be a little snarky at them, I suppose, but... We've got to, I respect them. I realize that probably I would have made the same kind of mistakes in that moment. Who would have known? And in that moment, all hope was gone. Paul, years later, was writing to the church that had already grown exponentially at that point. But he was reminding them just how important the resurrection was. And he wrote this in 1 Corinthians. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Here at Morrison Hill, we try our best to make all of our lessons, all of our sermons very practical, something you can act on it. We want you to feel it. We want you to be inspired. We want you to be drawn into a love relationship with God. But we want you to do what he wants us to do. And in this season, we've been looking at how to actually make wise choices, the best possible choices in the face of fear. And I I just think it's worth remembering that if this story had ended at the cross, it would have been inspiring, but it wouldn't have been what it is. Let me explain just to make sure you understand. Lots of people over the years have given up their lives for others, and it's always an inspiring thing. Even fiction, I get teared up thinking about hobbits giving their lives in Lord of the Rings. It's a big deal when somebody risks their lives. People are talking about all the essential workers, especially medical workers right now, and how proud we all are of those who are literally risking suffering, maybe even death, to help others. That's always inspiring. But if Jesus would have stayed dead, he would have just been one more of 
many inspiring stories. Anyone who'd ever given their life up in war, anyone who'd ever given up their life for anyone or made a sacrifice for someone else. He just would have been part of a really big, inspiring team. But Jesus came back to life, and that changed everything. Well, maybe not everything. The world is still a lot like it used to be, except Jesus gave us some new possibilities. Jesus gave us a whole new way of looking at life. And he brought something, a promise of what is to come that is completely different than anyone could ever have offered. Last week, we talked about all the things that Jesus saved us from. This week, we'd love to just dig deep into the things that Jesus saves us to. And the first thing is this. Jesus saves us to live life fully. Jesus saved us to live life fully. This was always God's dream. All the way back in the Old Testament, you can see this. If You don't have to squint really hard. Deuteronomy 30, God says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Many years later, Jesus himself said this, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Obviously, the main thief Jesus is talking about there is the devil, but there are a lot of thieves. There are a lot of counterfeit saviors that try to steal us away from Jesus. And Jesus reminds us that all thieves are just selfish. The only thing the sheep are to them is something that they could sell or slaughter. They don't care what the sheep need. They don't care about the sheep at all. And except Jesus, he says that he is a good shepherd. He daily and nightly lays his life down for them. He loves them. They belong to him. He claims them. He leads them through the day. He protects them in danger. He corrects them when they're wrong. It's exactly the same analogy that King David used in Psalm 23. It's what the writer of Proverbs chapter 3 was talking about when he said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways, and he will direct your paths. This idea that God leads us through life, that he protects us if we trust him enough to follow. It's it's something that transcends this life. It goes into eternity, but it touches this life as well. He wants us to live fully. Isaiah understood this when he wrote, Lord, your discipline is good, for it leads to life and health. You restore my health and allow me to live. So Jesus saves us to live fully. And because of Jesus, we are saved to live in power and hope. We are saved to live in power and in hope. Paul writes to the Corinthians again, for the kingdom of heaven is not a lot of talk. It is living by God's power for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. This idea of the kingdom is another term that sometimes we misunderstand. It means a lot of different things throughout the scripture. It it means heaven. And a lot of times when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and allowing people to come into the kingdom of God, he's talking about eternity and heaven. But most of the time, he's actually talking about anywhere where God is king, anywhere where God is in control. He started out his ministry saying the kingdom of God is here. And, And he says the kingdom of God is anywhere right here, right now, where we are fully surrendered to him. He taught us to pray, Lord, may your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Isaiah wrote, but those who do die in the Lord will live. Their bodies will rise again. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy. Your life-giving light will fall like dew on your people in the place of the dead. He's looking forward into the eternity at this point. Listen to Jesus' words to Martha in John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. That's a really powerful concept. That's another one that's really hard to understand sometimes because we know that we die. But this is the same concept that it, we usually translate perish in John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus knew that people have two basic ideas about death without him. One is that we just cease to exist, that this life is all there is, and then it's over. The other is that we face some sort of eternal punishment if that is what we have earned. Jesus offered a solution to both of those. That perish, that die was he offered an alternative to that, no matter what it meant to anyone else. He said, no, those who believe in me will live. And eternal life starts now. If you believe in Jesus, this experience of following him, this experience of knowing him intimately, this experience of him owning you and loving you and protecting you and correcting you and guiding you is not just for on the other side of death. Because of the resurrection, we know this 100% for sure, this means we can experience this in this life and then even more in the next. Listen in these next passages how the writers of the New Testament are talking in present tense, not future tense. They're not talking about heaven. They're talking about right here, right now. In Romans, Paul writes, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life. Because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. First Corinthians, Paul writes, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know that it is the very power of of God. And once again, in this idea of ongoing salvation, we see that salvation to God is never just about death. It's not just about where we go when we die. If you come to Jesus today and you die today, you're saved. You don't have anything else to do. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. But his dream is that he saves you. And then you spend the rest of your life getting more and more like him, making the world more and more like he wants it to be. And this is a process that we see. We see salvation on the he, you belong to him now. And we see salvation and we're daily saved from all the counterfeit saviors that try to steal steal us away from Jesus. Even Jesus's miracles illustrated this eternal life starts now idea. In real time, he made unclean people clean. He made the dead alive. He made the broken whole. 
He set the imprisoned free. And he set them free not just to go somewhere different on the other side of death, but to actually live life differently right here, right now. Paul wrote to the Philippians, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He wrote to the Colossians, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. He's talking about right now. We don't need endurance and patience in heaven. There'll be a lot of joy, but he's talking about right now. He's also talking about that in Philippians 3. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Again, he's talking about now. Knowing Christ, experiencing Christ, even identifying with his suffering, seeing whatever suffering he experiences right now as just part of the game of getting to know Jesus better, of being daily saved in that kind of a sense, daily growing, daily being transformed into his likeness. Peter wrote, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live in great expectation. Again, we see present tense. We look back at we have been born again, past tense. We now live in great expectation as we live in the present focused on the future. So Jesus saves us to live fully. He saves us to live in power and hope. And because of Jesus, we are also saved to live in true freedom. We are saved to live in true freedom. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul describes the last days as very difficult times where people will live only themselves and their money. They will act religious, but they won't have any self-control, and they won't have access to God's transformative power in their lives. In Galatians 5, Paul explains that our freedom is from lies and from legalism and from our own sinful nature. And God gives us true freedom from those things. But he also says that we are saved to make the right choices, to have the power and the confidence and the unity with Christ and other brothers and sisters in him that we can actually do the right thing. That God doesn't just set us free from penalties. He, kept, he sets us free to true freedom. We get choices. We actually have some control. And in case you're missing that, in Galatians 6, he writes this, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't miss that we have a choice in this. And that choice matters. Again, we cannot join Jesus's team without his offer, without his sacrifice, without his love. But when you're on his team, you are saved into a life of choices 
You are saved into a life of responsibility. You are saved into a life where you are part, a vital part, each one of you. Every single one of us, if we are believers, we are vital parts of building his kingdom on earth, making this world a little bit more like it is in heaven. Again, we see this present tense where we look back and we say this has happened. And because of that, this is happening now and we're looking forward. This is going to happen. That's why we make these choices right now. I love how some of the most timeless tales that our culture and cultures around the world somehow gravitate to almost always have some sort of an element of the gospel in them. They're not perfect. They're not even meant to. I think a lot of the ones that have really shook me at times, I don't think the authors or the directors of those movies really even meant them to say what they meant to me. But here's an example. In the story Pinocchio, at the beginning of the story, Pinocchio is saved from being just a puppet someone that is totally controlled by someone else with strings. And, and he, he comes to life, but he's not fully alive. He doesn't have strings anymore, but now he's got this whole new driving force. He's just got to become a real boy. And all of the mistakes he makes and all of the good things he does from that point on in the story are in this pursuit of becoming a real boy. And eventually he earns that. Eventually he learns how to do that. Eventually that fully comes true for him. Again, it's not a perfect analogy, but I hope you see what I'm trying to say. I think this is similar to what Jesus has put in our hearts. I think it's what he's offering to us. He sets us free from day one, but then he gives us real choices that really matter and really will shape the rest of our lives and really will shape eternity. And we have the power to do the right thing. We have the power to not do the wrong thing. We actually can if we choose because of what he's given us. Colossians 2 this is Paul. He says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Peter writes, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. I love this passage in Peter. He covers so much powerful territory in such a small amount of time. He's reminding us that the only way we can find any kind of honor that really matters is to humble ourselves before God. And then he instantly turns that corner and says, oh, and by the way, all the stuff you're worried about, all the stuff you're anxious about, give that all to him because he actually cares about you. Then he jumps right into some practical advice. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And brothers and sisters, especially in a time like this where we're required to stay separate in certain ways, it's so important to remember this. Whatever we need to do, we've got to stay with the group. We've got to stay with other believers. We've got to team up with them. The way a roaring lion seeks its prey is they wait for the stragglers. They follow the herd and they wait for the weakest and the slowest and the ones that just aren't paying attention. Those are the ones that they pick off. It's so important that we not only put our trust 
in Jesus, but we stay with the rest of the herd and we make sure that if there are stragglers, we reach back and bring them up with us, that we participate in this ongoing experience of following Jesus and making choices that matter. Peter ends this little passage saying this, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And we must not miss that part of that means we've got to connect with other believers. We've got to team up with each other. We've got to keep pulling the weaker along and keep teaming up with people who are stronger than we are so that they, we can all stay together and we can all make it. Don't lag behind. Forgive me. I can't help myself. You might call this herd immunity. Just thought I'd throw that term out. Here's the last thing. Jesus saves us to live fully. He saves us to live in power and hope. He saves us to live in true freedom. And because of Jesus, we are saved to live in fellowship. This is part of his original design. John writes, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Again, notice the present tense here. He's, it's based on what's happened in the past. It's looking forward. But he's experiencing this and inviting people into this fellowship right here, right now. In chapter 3, he says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And this is what we are. Fellowship allows us to experience what God's love is like. It, it allows us to experience it, even if we don't understand it. And to whatever level we ever do understand it, that is usually comes not just from study, but from somehow loving and being loved. My family is the greatest way that God has ever taught me love. My immediate family, my parents, my sisters, uh, my extended family, but especially my own family, my wife and my sons. I know most of what I know about how Jesus loves the church from loving my wife. I know most of what I really know about how God loves his children because of how I love my sons. We need each other, and these relationships are what really, really drive us not only into a better life, a full life like God wanted for us all along, but also into the arms of God. That's why Paul wrote this. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Jesus saves us to live life fully. He saves us to live in power and hope. He saves us to live in true freedom. He saves us to live in fellowship. And because of Jesus, we are saved to live with purpose.
This is probably a familiar passage, but there's something particular I want you to catch in this one. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Most of the time when we quote this verse, we're talking about that we can trust the Bible, that it's inspired by God, that it, some, some versions say it's breathed by God. It's God breathed. It's something that's alive. It, it cuts. There's so many. That's an absolutely wonderful truth to keep remembering. But don't miss the purpose here. God is saying that he gives us his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. We live with purpose. Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So many of the things that we try to hold on to in earth, on this earth, so many of the things we try to hold on to and not surrender to God are things that no matter what we do, we really cannot keep those things. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain, what he cannot lose. If we could find eternal purposes to live our lives, wouldn't that be better? And this is the good news of the resurrection. We can. I got to be honest with you. When I, I'm always trying to be honest with you, I got to be really open, transparent with you. That's a better way to say this. When I was preparing this, this series months and months ago, we had no idea about the whole COVID-19 thing. None of us had any idea. And honestly, I, I had never even thought to look up what the key five fears all humanity has until about the week before the first sermon. When, when that hit me uh, at that moment, it hit me pretty hard. I was like, that's pretty important. That really goes a lot with a lot of things. I had no idea that it would go so perfectly with these final truths that I, I had planned on sharing all along on Easter Sunday. But listen to this. Our top five fears as human beings are death, suffering, not having control, isolation and humiliation. And look at what Jesus saves us into. He saves us from death into living full lives. He doesn't necessarily promise to save us or keep us from any kind of suffering, but no matter what, suffering or not suffering, he gives us the power and the hope to make the most of it. He, he gives us real choices, true freedom. We don't have total control, but we have a lot of control because of this freedom and the choices he gives us. And he chooses, he gives us the chance to choose to live in fellowship. A deeper kind of fellowship than anyone else on earth can experience. A kind of fellowship that extends into heaven someday. And Jesus, instead of allowing us to settle for humiliation, he allows us to live with purpose. He gives us an eternal reason to do everything that we do. Corey Ten Boom says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. That's my challenge to you today. I don't know where everybody is today. I don't know if you're sitting somewhere watching a phone or in your living room or where you are, but this is what I know. This offer from Jesus is real. 
He is alive. He's not just someone who inspires us because he gave his life for us. He's someone who broke the power of sin and death once and for all by his resurrection. And he's offering you this kind of full life. He wants to save you into that. Maybe he's already saved you. Maybe you, you have the ability to go to heaven when you die already, but he wants to continue to save you, to continue to help you get rid of all the counterfeit saviors and become fully what he designed you to be, to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. I hope that you do that today. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you need to come back to him. Maybe you just there's something you've never fully surrendered. Please remember this. 2 Timothy 1.7, one more time. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. And one more time, remember, success always requires daily choices that start right now. Make the choice God is telling you to make today, and then make it again tomorrow and the day after that. Your mind will be blown. Your life will be transformed, I promise you. Jesus Christ lived and taught, suffered, died, and rose so that we could live. What are you going to do to make that happen today? God bless you. We love you. That concludes the Sunday Sermons podcast. You can respond to the invitation you just heard where you are right now. Don't waste this opportunity to change your life for the better. If you've made a decision or are interested in learning more, please visit us at morrisonhill.com.